0: And then when I went to have sex with her, I told her all the things I was about to do. (laughs) And then I went to have sex with her and it was like putting a marshmallow in a piggy bank. Man, I couldn't get a boner. And so now I'm trying to overtly be masculine because I'm so terrified that I don't want anyone. And I also can't get an erection because my values are now out of alignment. Intimacy leads to heartbreak is what's truly happening in my subconscious is like if I connect with this woman, she's going to crush me. I then would use alcohol to numb my value system. Eventually, I learned that I could do that, and then I'd be able to have sex. And man, that was the beginning of a long, unhealthy relationship with intimacy.
1: Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Are you leaking sexual energy all over the place, at the store, at the gym, at work, or online? Could you be using sex or porn to avoid shame or avoid intimacy, or to live up to some outdated model of a man? Could you be using orgasm to self-soothe because you rarely received emotional soothing as a child? Well, in this episode, my guest, Mark Groves, and I dive into these questions and more Mark is the founder of the popular and inspiring Instagram page, Create the Love. Now, this is a little different than most episodes of Men This Way, in that Mark is a repeat guest, and we're drilling down into a specific topic, essentially how men use sex to avoid pain and what we can do about it. It's a subject both Mark and I have a lot of personal and painful experience in, because we both used women we use sex porn even orgasm to avoid a lot of underlying issues that just perpetuate a disconnect and suffering in both ourselves and in our partners even despite all the pleasure and good feeling that sex and orgasm and intimacy offer too since we both have also been on profoundly healing journeys around all of this awakening to and practicing What it takes to create healthy relationships, not just with another person, but with ourselves and with our own full, rich sexual drives and desires too, well, we decided to record an episode specifically on this for you. It's filled with the life-changing insights and practices that we both have discovered on our respective journeys, including my experience doing a 30-day sex, dating, flirting, hunting, and hoping diet. A few years back, which profoundly shifted my relationship to sex and intimacy and really paved the way for the exquisite relationship that I'm in today. So definitely listen to the end of this episode of Men This Way, where we give you our best practices for learning how to use sex not as a crutch to avoid pain, but rather as a potent fuel for creating more vitality and deep connection in your life. And also, if you want to share any feedback or tell me or Mark what this conversation inspired in you, please email me directly at brian at I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, let's dive.
0: Mark Groves, What's good up? to have you back on Men This Way. So soon. I love it, man. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm
1: excited for this. If you haven't already listened to the the episode where Mark and I talk about Shit, man, I kind of forget in this moment, but it was profound. Talk about your journey as a
0: man. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about something really cool. That's a go listen to it and then tell us what we talked about. (laughs) Exactly. But I wanted to have you back on
1: because, um, and and this is going to be a little bit different than a lot of the episodes, because after we got done recording, uh, as we were talking, you said something, you said, man, we should do an episode. We should have a conversation about how men use sex to avoid pain. Mm. And I thought, hell yes, that is a great idea.
0: Remember that? Yeah, man. And it's it's one of those subjects that I think, you know, we're so socialized and cultured to be sexual as men. Like even if we don't feel sexual mm. or we're not ar- easily aroused, we think there's something wrong with us. That's right. And I, I think that's an interesting thing that we, we haven't really been able to, th- that we don't necessarily differentiate.
1: Yeah, totally. I think, um, you know, as I look back into my past, I think when you said that and suggested that, it really spoke to me because man, I did a whole I did a whole uh what I called my sex, dating, flirting, hunting, and hoping diet. <laughs>
0: yeah, I many remember years ago. I followed you and yeah. I remember reading your your update. Yeah.
1: That's right. And because I, I hadn't seen it until then how much I was you essentially using women. But not women even, just but like feminine energy, wherever I could get it. Oh, yeah. Me too, man. To not feel, well, I didn't even know what I was avoiding at the time. So how men use sex to avoid pain? And now this is, I know, uh, you know, I have some things we definitely want to touch on and cover,
0: but why did this really leap out at you as a subject we should explore? <laughs> because I did it. You yeah. know, I think it was, um, it's a subject that I think I didn't know I was doing when I was doing it till... I realized that the results I was getting in my life were reflective of, you know, I'd say I really want a deeply connected relationship. And I was hooking up with this girl every Sunday, I remember. And a friend of a friend said to, just happened to be that these things were connected. But another girl had just gotten out of a relationship and she said to our mutual friend of the one I was hooking up with, she said, uh, you know, I really want to just hook up and find a good guy who I can, you know, trust and blah, blah, blah. blah. And the girl's like, well, you should hook up with Mark Groves. And she turns to her boyfriend, who's a friend of mine. Mark Groves is single, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's, she's like, oh, well, just hook up with him. He's a nice guy. Well, the girl who I'm hooking up with is like, hey, because they're friends. The one, yes, <gasps> she goes, hey, I heard uh, you're the guy to hook up with if you don't want a relationship. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> right. Okay. So now my two worlds have collided. Wow. <laughs> uh, which most people might think, opportunity for a threesome. Yeah. But what I realized was that I wasn't what I said I wanted. I was what I was choosing. Yeah. And my two worlds, my integrity, everything that I didn't know I was... I mean, it would be obvious. It's very obvious once you hear it. But at the time, yeah. I thought I was just you know hooking up with someone on the way to the relationship I wanted. But right. really, the energy I was putting yeah. out there was... Yeah. And so I felt like... I put myself on a Vaj Vacation, I called it. Vaj Vacation. Okay. <laughs> and I had such an, an addictive relationship with intimacy since I'd had sex when I was sixteen or whatever. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. Um, yeah, I think it was fifteen or sixteen. Anyways, I hadn't not had sex with someone like for longer than a period of like three months mm-hmm. in that whole time. So I was like, maybe it's time that I learn why I'm drawn to what I'm drawn to. Mm -hmm. It's like putting the drink down, you know, it's the same idea. Yeah. You just said something really amazing that I
1: want to highlight. You said, I was not what I said I wanted. I was what I was choosing. Did I quote that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In other words, what I was saying was incongruent with what I was actually, what I was saying I wanted was incongruent with what I was actually choosing. And I think, you know, as I reflect on my own journey, and the reason I did this dating, uh, what did I call it? The sex, dating, flirting, hunting, and hoping diet was because likewise, I so wanted to, you know, Rob Kendall. he says something really interesting about men and sex. He says, I don't actually think it's not that men are, are wanting sex so much. It's that men actually are using sex to get validation.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Like I think that we all turn to, in, in this is my own personal opinion through my own experience, is that I turned to an unhealthy relationship to intimacy and sex because I very much respected my body and the sexual choices I was making when I was young till I went through heartbreak mm-hmm. and when I went through heartbreak I first off didn't desire anyone for the first time and that was crazy because I was 19 and in college and I'd be walking down you know the hallway at the university and you know, if it had been a week before my heartbreak, I was like drawn sexually to every, Mm. you know, to most women. But after my heartbreak, I wasn't. And I thought something was wrong with me. And I was like, am I gay? What's like, what's happening here? Yeah.
1: And is not that strange. I'm not drawn to someone. So does that mean I'm gay? I'm not drawn to women right
0: now. So does that mean I'm gay? Yeah. Like there was this weird, like, but because my body was so hurt, yeah. There was no information for this. I mean, this is 21 years ago. You know, I couldn't google this. Yeah. It was not like my guy friends were like, "Yeah, tell me about your extremely painful monogamous breakup." <laughs> they were grinding. Not all of them, but you know, some of them were grinding yeah. with chicks at the bar and hooking up and here I was yeah. thinking relationships are the way to go and I'm, you know, standing in the truth of my authenticity and my values. And man, about 3 weeks after that breakup, I did a bunch of things I'd never done before. One, I made out on a dance floor, which, hey, that wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to take a... I mean, I took a girl home to my parents' mm-hmm. house. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, talk about more one-night stand set up. Uh-huh. Dressed like the devil. It was Halloween. Um, okay. Never have a Halloween after That's So breakup. appropriate. Yeah, uh-huh. it was appropriate. And then when I went to have sex with her, I told her all the things I was about to do. <laughs> and then I went to have sex with her. And it was like... Putting a marshmallow in a piggy bank, man, I couldn't get a boner. Uh huh. And so then now, listen to this, right? So now I'm, now I'm trying to overtly be masculine because I'm so terrified that I don't love uh, that I don't want anyone. Yeah. And I also can't get an erection because my values are now out of alignment. Intimacy leads to heartbreak. Is what's truly happening in my subconscious? Is like if I connect with this woman, she's going to crush me. Yeah. How old were you at this time? I was nineteen. Nineteen. Wow. Yeah. So then my strategy was, because I had a lot of resilience and fortitude, <laughs> my strategy, well, first, I didn't get to do anything with that woman. I, that was, uh, she was like, oh, you said all those things, and now you need like a, a fucking kickstand for your wiener. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, uh, I then would use alcohol to numb my value system. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I learned that I could do that, and then I'd be able to have sex.
1: Yeah,
0: And man, that was the beginning of a long unhealthy relationship with intimacy.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I've realized, and, and this is through doing, through my own therapy the last few years, how, you know, I had I had great parents, more or less. I mean, the, you know, they divorced when I was four and married some other people when I was 10. You know, I had four parents. And yeah, just, there were, there was messiness. There was alcoholism. There was, uh, you know, weird sort of, you know, modern family dynamics, all that. But, you know, no one beat me. Nobody... Put me down, I wasn't criticized, I wasn't, but I also wasn't comforted. Nobody ever really comforted me. Mm. You know, no one really checked in with my emotions. How was I doing? I mean, my parents split up when I was four. And I lived with that for the rest of my my life, certainly, but just growing up as a kid, and no one comforted me. And one of the things that I got really clear about in the last few years was how actually sex and masturbation, especially. But sex definitely, orgasm were forms of self-soothing. I mean, it's a good feeling. So I guess it's a good feeling. And it's a way of not just being present with or not feeling the loneliness. No one's comforting me. I never I never would have framed it in those terms. But you know, that has been really revelatory for me. Realizing that it's making the connection between not being comforted, again, having, you know, great parents, four of them good people. And I think men, especially, especially as we get a little older, turn into teenagers and, you know, all that comes with that, you know, no one's really talking about what we're feeling and we don't want to talk about it because of just how we're indoctrinated in the culture around us. So of course, you know, sex, orgasm, pleasuring are going to be in man. you know, God, I could
0: masturbate like nobody's business, you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) in those younger days. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like fucking uh, Iron Man. Like Iron Man.
1: (laughs) And, and, and wow. And I'll tell you and and how that affected my relationships. And I didn't even realize it because I wouldn't let anyone soothe me. I wouldn't let a partner soothe me emotionally. Not because I just, I didn't even know what that was. Like, you know, I got me, I'll do me. I've always done me since I was, you know, forever. Literally and figuratively and every single I will do me if you want to participate. Great, but (laughs) (laughs) bonus. So making that connection was really, really profound is, you know, and I'm in my mid forties now I'm 44 and, and, you know, you know, I've definitely felt the edge come off of my sexuality a little bit, still fantastic, great driven, all that. I have amazing partner, great chemistry off the charts, but I definitely feel like the edge is coming off. But I I wonder, you know, that validation and soothing, you know, as I share that with you, you
0: know, what what comes up for you? What do you see there? Man, I for sure used, I mean, sex became an immense part of validation for me. Not only the validation that, well, really intimacy became a cloak to the pain I was feeling. I could be the fun party guy. I could go to my sports teams Mm -hmm. and talk about, you know, the chick I hooked up with. And I'd get celebrated. So there was validation yeah. there. Yeah. And underneath what was going on is I was fucking broken. Yeah. I was so heartbroken. And I didn't really tap into that probably till I was 35. So about five years ago where I realized that I hadn't let a woman love me in so long mm-hmm. because I had sort of like, you know, stood so true in my values before that Halloween night, that fateful Halloween night. But after that, I just sort of thought, like, what's the point in standing in these principles of of being a man who really values relationship when relationship led to the ultimate devastation I've ever experienced? And my friends who are not doing that, you know, I had friends who obviously were in relationship and very good men, but I had a lot of friends who were hooking up and I was like, well, they're happy, they're fine. And so it became, you know, as I think of like the self-soothing that sex and I mean, what better reward system? I wasn't a drug user. Mm-hmm. So like, what better reward system than an orgasm and feeling loved and connected to by a woman yeah. and desired because I felt like there was nothing desirable about me. I mean, the woman who I had loved so much had lied to me and chosen another man mm-hmm. without telling me until she told me. So, you know, man, like you only can put, you know, as Steve Jobs so famously said, you can connect the dots looking back. Mm-hmm. I connect those dots now and I'm like holy shit like how many other men are doing using sex the way yeah. I did yeah I remember too as you were sharing that that through
1: my adult life I would you know as time wore on I would go okay so I'm having I'm having sex you know similar to you like I didn't think this years ago, similar to you. I didn't know you similar, but I was thinking I'm having sex. <laughs> okay. It'll be about three months maybe before my next partner. Okay. That's not too long. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. That's a pretty good ratio. It's a pretty good rate. You know, how do I measure up all of that? And it was, it was so about validation. Absolutely, man. It's so much about being validated. Even, you know, I was never the bragging to my friends type at all. And you oh, know, I definitely was ill.
0: <laughs> you definitely were. I was so douchey that way, yeah. yeah. You know, that's why when, uh, you know, when I thought about just all the, just the ways that I've, you know, participated in the, the you know, mutually, because it's, of course, two wounded people find each other, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. that pain of wanting to soak in alcohol or or whatever it is, even just in relationship-free intimacy, I just think it was like, we were like two people masturbating each other, yeah. you know? yeah. I think of all the connection that I've sort of like time traveled through or not really valued. And when I woke up to that, from that, (laughs) that woman saying that to me, like, uh, apparently you're the guy to go hook up with. That was in a moment where I was wanting to change and transform. It was just like one of those universal slaps to the face. Mm -hmm. That was like, you get to choose to wake up now or you get to keep hurting. Yeah. And thankfully I chose the, the first part.
1: You know, as I was, uh, preparing for this and I was looking, okay, let's, let's come up with some statistics was my thing. Okay. Well, let's look out there at the the world of research and statistics and sex and satisfaction and men and women and all that. And here's the bottom line. It's a fucking mess out there. If I can mess,
0: it totally it's, is. It's 100% mess. Yes. Out there. I like that. That's validated too, by you know, <laughs> we don't even the sample size. Well, I think it's just like, when we talk about, you know, I think we touched on this previously, Uh, In our last podcast, but it was talking about, I just think it's a way that immature, painful masculinity becomes expressed that, you know, of course, you know, I'd be an idiot to say that having sex with, you know, a number of people and having a lot of experiences wasn't fun. Of course. Yeah. And that's the hard part is like, that'd be like, I mean, I've never done cocaine, but that'd be like all those times I did cocaine (laughs) denying that I had a really good party. Right, right. Right. So uh-huh. I think there's a balance of like, where is your exploration within your integrity? Because, of course, you can have sexual experiences that are within your integrity. Yeah, But when, and I think this is an interesting idea because I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer. But when is it in integrity to be expressing yourself sexually? And, of course, integrity is going to mean different things for different yeah. people. Yeah. But what do you think? Well, I actually, you know, I wish someone would have told me
1: it's okay to not want to be in a relationship or not be in a relationship when I'm in my 20s and 30s. It's okay to just be single and enjoy the sexual experience or the adventuring or tasting all the different flavors of life and women. And I wish someone would have just said, you know what, it's okay. And not from a place of You know, you should do that, or that's, you know, man, fuck marriage, dude. Don't relationships suck. Not from that place, but from a just, it's okay. It's okay to not be ready. It's okay to, when you say integrity, I mean, that's what I realized. I think I was so torn and needing that validation. I stayed in relationship with women, or I would choose women, or, you know, I would kind of play at love. I heard one psychologist say this years ago that men will tend to play at love to get sex, and women will play at sex to get love. And I don't know if it's so black and white, I believe that, but I definitely wasn't ready to be two feet into
0: a relationship. Neither was I. Although I, I said I was, and I wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if I look in hindsight, a lot of my exploration was trying to figure out how, to, I mean, a lot of my dancing around was, you know, to figure out how to not pay attention to my pain. You know, it was like a constant distraction, and what better distraction than a nice-smelling, beautiful woman? You know, and uh, I've been evolutionary designed to be distracted by that. Of course, yeah. And so I think it became like, where does my integrity become the number one priority? You know, versus my biology. And you know, I don't want to. It's not like I was spending years just humping away. That's not true. And all my experiences were in some form of integrity. Yeah, they weren't in alignment with. I was hurting myself, Yeah, you know? And I think also at at some point I just got so good at pretending everything was okay and being charismatic and funny and all that shit that I was like bypassing my feelings completely. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about this before we started the podcast just about this ability. If you're really good with language, you can actually pretend to be connected to yourself. You can fake vulnerability. Right, yeah. And as men, we're not exactly socialized to be connected to our hearts. We're, you know, I I think there's just so many pieces of evidence of that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's fascinating because I think even open relationships can often be sort of like a rebound or drive when we've been really hurt by something. Mm -hmm. Monogamy doesn't make sense for us. It doesn't mean that there's a right relationship structure, but I certainly think that there's an interesting drive that we have to move towards those when we've been really hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I said earlier that uh,
1: it's a mess out there as I was looking at statistics. (laughs) And one of the things that I find really fascinating is uh, that millennials are having less sex than previous generations by a very significant degree. In all the sex research, Japan is held up as this cautionary tale. We don't know why, but the Japanese are having less sex than anyone on the planet. But millennials around the world are having less sex. Interestingly, I found a that in Mexico and Nigeria, they're having the most exciting sex in the world. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the way the Mexicans
0: dance.
1: I get it. <laughs> but, but, that, but that aside, you know, and I, as I was reflecting on this, and no one really has good answers as to why that's happening. But one of the things that occurred to me, and they blame everything, you know, I mean, depending on which expert you talk to, they blame you know, surging anxiety levels, dating websites, Pornography, mobile yeah. porn, uh you know, living at home with parents, all kinds of things. But hell, you you took a woman home to your parents' place. So that's clearly not you gotta horrible. take that off Don't the table. Do
0: that. My dad still talks about that. <laughs> so bad. The devil showed up because you were dressed yeah, as the he devil. It devil horns. That's what it he calls her.
1: But what I tend to think, and as I just reflect on my own dream, I'm forty-four. I grew up without a cell phone in my pocket, you know. Dude,
0: me too, man. It's fucking great.
1: I wonder. I believe that's so much of you know needing that validation, needing the soothing. We all need to be validated, and we all need soothing. Whether that comes from the outside or the inside, we need it. We need to be soothed. I mean, this is a crazy world we live in. There's threats all over the place, and,
0: and especially stuff. with a phone in your pocket, you're connected to fucking Fox and New York Times and all this shit that's happening. You're just one news flash away. On your phone, you get a text from the government saying. You might get new like
1: yeah,
0: that's right, or or you just see a photo on
1: Instagram that makes reminds you of how much you don't like your own life. So man, yeah. So I think there's so many. Sorry, finish. Well, I bad. just I'm just trying to make the I want to make the connection here because I think um, you know, between avoiding pain, using sex, using because again, I think it's I really like what Rob Kendall said about using sex to get validation and and my own, I totally
0: agree with that.
1: Yeah, and you know, we can get so much validation by posting something on social media and, and just a few people like it. You know, there's validation in that. There's again soothing. There's soothing in we can find just watching videos, especially, man, with the proliferation of porn
0: in our public. Oh my lord. And you know, like I think there's two parts of that, too. One is that as a male, you get status for the sex. Right. So the validation yeah. comes in the status. Right. In sort of like evolutionary psychology terms, we can't avoid that. The highest status male, it's like in all polyamorous societies, a few men get all the women and then they become war zones because the other men are like, you can't have all the women. So women, even if they say they want something different, They're biologically drawn to high-status males. That's just how it works. That's what peacocking is in the pickup Mm -hmm. artist world. Like Mm -hmm. It works if a person is being driven by their evolution. Second part of that, I think, too, is that, at least for me, sex and intimacy became a safe space to feel Mm -hmm. and a safe space, a socially acceptable space to be vulnerable. And because I think I craved feeling myself so much, and it's great that it's in the positive stimulus, as you were saying, it's like our phones and Instagram, like all of this is just a way of distracting ourselves from ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, man, when's the last time that you saw someone even waiting in line at the fucking bathroom? People can't even take a shit without looking at their phone. (laughs) Which, and I say that like now I'm really starting to analyze my relationship to my phone, which I noticed can give me anxiety. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we're going to renegotiate with yeah. this looks and, like. and anxiety also gets in the way of healthy, enjoyable, fulfilling sex. Oh, man, right? Even performance anxiety, mm-hmm. which is, of course, new partner anxiety, is one of the number one causes of erectile dysfunction. Well, that's, but if you look at your phone, sorry. We'll go, no, go ahead. I, I want to come back to, let's not forget this
1: performance anxiety. I want to come back to that. There's something really big in that, but keep going.
0: Uh, I was just going to say, like, you look at, like in Japan they got that crazy cartoon porn shit's like regular humans on cartoon steroids and and it's crazy because i think about like you watch one porn pornography movie with let's say 10 chicks or something i don't even know you will likely your brain will have seen more sexual experiences with women than you would have ever seen if you were in a tribe yeah not that long ago from an evolutionary perspective literally like the micro is blink of an eye, your yeah. body, your yeah. nervous system, yeah. everything, your dopamine gets like hyper stimulated. And then you go to your regular relationship yeah. with missionary and cowgirl. Yeah. And you're like, uh, but you know, yeah. I'm not delivering pizza with a hole in the box, getting a hand job, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where's the excitement? And there's no swiping
1: to next. Yeah. No, well, let's stay here for a moment because I yeah. also performance. W- well, I want to stay in porn for just a second. That's a weird thing to say but um <laughs> but I you know porn fucked up my body big time. When I got to my late 30s, you know, again, I didn't grow up with a cell phone full
0: of the global archive of porn in my pocket. <laughs> I'd be God. crazy. I was scraping for a National Geographic with the titty pick. Exactly. I was uh, swiping my mom's Victoria's Secret. You had to work for a titty pick. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Dial up. You know how long it took to load a picture? <laughs> Why? Well, are you kidding me? I had to wait till spring to get the spring catalog of the Victoria's Secret. <laughs> oh man, we didn't get that in
0: Canada. I had to settle for like Sears, which is like oh. Target. Oh, I could have worked with that back then. Oh, yeah, no. I worked with it. Don't worry. <laughs> you do what you can. But that's how easily I was stimulated because yeah. I didn't have I fucking know. a million titties on my face. That's right. And I spent about two years
1: um, in between relationships, number of years before I met Sylvie, just spending about an hour a day watching porn, you know, soothing myself to sleep, really, is what it was. No big deal. You know, it's fine. And um, I noticed at the end of that, after about two years, I noticed – You said something about shoving a marshmallow in a piggy bank. (laughs) (laughs) That's what started to happen. And also I was prematurely ejaculating with women and it was, I've never had that experience. It was fucking terrifying. What the hell is happening here? Can't get an erection with a woman. And I'm a premature ejaculating almost even before I get an erection anyway. Yet with porn though, of course I could, um, man, I was solid for an hour. Could just rock out for an hour. Rock out with my cock out, as they say. But like literally watching porn, I could do that. Yet with a woman, I couldn't do that at all. It was the opposite. Mm. It was terrifying to me. And um, that's when I had to go cold turkey. I had to quit completely because um, it was just ruining my sexual experiences with women. What's been your experience with that?
0: You know, I feel like I did the same thing with porn that I would... Use it to self-soothe. I started to pay attention to the trigger that would make me go down the rabbit hole of desire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just pay attention to it now, you know, like what's a trigger that causes me to have erotic desire? Yeah. It's usually like something on an Instagram fricking homepage because I don't follow any. I do not follow models, yeah, and chicks on Instagram. Yep, yep. I, it's not good for. It's like Maxim magazine back in the day. Mm-hmm. The shit just was like so abnormal, but I used to fucking love that magazine. Like hometown hotties, you know all this shit. Yeah,
1: and well, I know what you mean. I used to get—I don't know how I got them—but Pinterest emails, and Pinterest would send me oh, damn. emails of just these hot women in these outfits. Like, why am
0: I getting this? I had to unsubscribe <laughs> from that shit because it was triggering. Well, yeah, you sent me a picture of brazier. My brain goes right <laughs> down. Like, oh, new way to hold with support. I'm like, sure, take it off, one snap. You know, and <laughs> I. I think it's so important that we learn to manage our drive. That we learn not to not to manage as it and minimize it, but like because you know there's a lot of conversation in the book Think and Grow Rich. He talks about taking your sexual drive and transmuting it into creation and purpose. And I think as men, the more I got into my purpose, more authentically with true boundaries, with healthy relationships to things. My desire for unhealthy or like obsessive sexual experiences or pornography went down. The thing about not being able to get an erection from looking at porn, you know, I'm certain I'd be foolish to say that it probably didn't affect, Mm -hmm. you know, what got me aroused for a bit. Uh, But I've never really had an obsessive relationship with pornography. But I think one thing that was very confusing for me as a kid is I couldn't get an erection because I was so heartbroken. Mm -hmm. So that that I was like, do I have erectile dysfunction? Mm. Am I, will I never be able to get a boner again, right? But then I did all the research on it because then it was like, oh, if you're sleeping and waking up with boners, your wiener works. You're just, (laughs) but no one says like, you can't get a boner if you're heartbroken. It's like, you can't get one because, you know, you have something wrong with your vasculature or whatever. And I have a friend who's gay and he was talking about using grinder,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And he said that he would not be able to get an erection with men. And he said something that always stuck with me. And he said, my heart is literally connected to my dick, but it's also emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a great way of articulating. Mm-hmm. Because it was so out of alignment for him to participate in that casual stuff, but it was so part of his, in his experience, part of the cultural pressure mm-hmm. of being gay. And so that always stuck with me because I really realized that there's so many men that don't honor and respect that maybe they're not meant to be like that. Maybe they're actually wired in a different way than what the cultural narrative is, which is that we are sexual, voracious beings. And if you don't want to fuck everything, you're broken. And what a dangerous message to send to men that makes us become overtly sexual to make up for the shame we have that we might not be these like yeah. animals. Fuck. You know, you think about that, it's like, what a dangerous yeah. message we send as a cultural narrative. Yeah. There's a common thing that happens um when couples
1: will come to work with me. Sometimes they'll ask, you know, how often should we be having sex? Yeah. You know, what are the you know, they'll have read some statistics somewhere that a healthy couples couples are having, you know, 42% of couples are having sex three times a week, whatever the hell that means. And it's one of the things that we got to be really careful about is there is no normal. What's normal for you is normal for you. What works for you, for your particular constitution and for the agreements in your relationship that are healthy for your relationship? Yeah, normal is a dangerous word. Absolutely. I mean, it's so that's something that we want to be really mindful of, but not comparing ourselves to what else is happening out there. But you said something really, really important that I want to emphasize about channeling like all these triggers we live in a world full of triggers i mean we're so fucked up sexually speaking so to speak (laughs) that that the world is just we're bombarded with stuff that isn't helpful that's drawing on our energy trying to sell us shit by using you know billboards of attractive women and commercials of you know hot women drinking beer to get us to buy beer stuff like that it's just (laughs) everywhere
0: she drinks Michelob. i better drink Michelob. i bet i'll meet her (laughs) pinterest emails uh
1: Instagram models, do all of that's everywhere. And, and yet, if I'm gonna be in a relationship with my woman and I absolutely want to be in relationship with this woman, and I want to have a thriving, beautiful, dynamic, fulfilling relationship, if my energy is leaking all over the place, and and if I'm allowing my energy to be drawn constantly down those rabbit holes, and it can. You know, one Pinterest email could send me on a <laughs> yeah, dude. One <laughs> hour long adventure Instagram
0: target, and I'm fucked.
1: Right. <laughs> you know, mm. like again, we're never going to get rid of all those triggers. You're just going to be driving on the street, and you're going to see them, and that's okay. I mean, this is, but I think this is the key: is being mindful about what is serving our relationship. I think social media is a really dangerous place because it's so easy to get this pseudo connection, pseudo validation. Yeah, from someone we don't know, from you know, just some comments on a photo and a little flirtatiousness back. I mean, when I was single, you know, having those little flirtatious moments, all, all all day, all, right? All yeah, day like long. It was single. wonderful. You know, obviously since I've been with Sylvie, man, not not once has that happened. And and I wouldn't allow it for a fucking second. Like I Same, so I I don't
0: even put myself in situations because as you said, uh my respect for myself and my integrity and what that means. Cause I know for me, that's the most is alignment with my value system. When I step out of it, it hurts like shit. When I, mm-hmm. I stay in it, I'm connected. I'm truthful. I'm honest. And it's honoring and respecting the connection, which I think is the most sacred connection in the world is with my partner. Yeah. And, you know, I love what you're saying about that. It's like respect. Yeah. That spilling part—that's so important—is like the, the leaking. Are you being responsible? Yeah. And I think it's, as you said, it's like a normal biological thing to get the trigger and to totally. how you respond to triggers, and then and to start collecting your energy back, you know, putting it back in your pocket, keeping it.
1: Absolutely, man, and and I, I'm sure you hear this too, man. So many women will write to me or comment and about their partner who's. They won't use this word but whose energy is leaky
0: they're commenting on other women's photos or I don't their- understand men who follow like fucking porn stars and models like I mean I know a lot of women who follow female models which mm-hmm. hey that's all more power to you um, but if you're a man and you're following a bunch of chicks that innately disrupt the trust and baseline of your relationship like clean your shit up yeah like, like you want your woman doing that no you don't or if you're a man with a man Like same thing. Yeah. Stop it. Like, stop. Look at why you need to distract yourself and do that shit. Like go to the source.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where we're kind of coming to a head, so to speak with this. uh... (laughs) (laughs) These things are inevitable (laughs) in this. You can't help yourself, you know, (laughs) where, because (laughs) it really is about, about cleaning up our energy and, Again, I, like any man, love the female form. I can appreciate the beauty of a woman and yeah, I am so for it. Nothing wrong with planet. that. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But if we are going to be in relationship and this ties back to what you said earlier, and I mess it up every time, but I'm not what I'm saying I want. I am what to say it again, man. It was brilliant how you
0: said it. Oh, that what I say I want is not what I'm choosing.
1: That's right. What I say one is not. That's it exactly. And so many of, and I've done this in the past, certainly, but we're acting in ways that are actually, they are violating to our relationship. They are violating to the person we're with. To our own selves,
0: to our own integrity.
1: To our own truth. Exactly. Our own integrity, because we're either, you know, there's no such thing as 99% committed.
0: We're either (laughs) all in, we're either all in or we're just not. I'm pretty
1: honest. (laughs) Like, you're either honest (laughs) or you're not. That's right. We are either in or we're not, you know, and and it's easy for us men to say we're two feet in and not actually be two feet in to a relationship with somebody.
0: Yeah. It comes out in those little spilly things that we do. That's right. Like stop following anyone who's a threat to your relationship. Stop participating in those conversations. Because you're right. They're all just ways of self-sabotage. They're ways of limiting your relationship depth. They're all going to, keep it very strategically from a subconscious level, they're gonna keep us from going deeper
1: mm-hmm.
0: with our partner or in any relationship of any time. I mean the research shows that even if your phone is upside down on a table, you're less vulnerable in conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and wow. Yeah. And that's just because there's this draw, maybe there's more there than there is here. Yeah. But man, go to a restaurant and watch. Like I think it's so fascinating because I've certainly been guilty of that in my past. And this isn't about being pious or being like we're an integrity and you're and it's like, no, man, we all dance in and out of alignment. We all dance in and out. But eventually you have to decide what is like the centrifuge of who you want to be. Yeah. What is like the core? You're going to make little mistakes here and there, but you're going to correct them. But like as a core being, what are your principles and your values? And are you going to live by them? Yeah. Man, I was a master at saying what my core values are appearing as though. And then, you know, dancing around all that stuff. And eventually really great women called my ass out. Yeah. Yeah, and men, great men too. Yeah, like you're full of shit, and I'm like, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know, I did want to know because I'm sure this is so valid for so many people. How did you work through the pornography effect on your erection? I, I, that was really, uh, yeah. You no, know, because I'm sure, well, plenty of people. I do too. Yeah. Well, I just, I quit
1: cold Turkey. I mean, I just stopped from one day to the next because it it just, there was a specific, well, a couple experiences that happened maybe over the course of a few weeks with different women that it was just, my body is essentially broken when it comes to women now again, so to speak. And I just, it was terrifying. I was scared. I hit a bottom. What was the bottom? Well, the bottom was, as I said, I couldn't get an erection certainly couldn't maintain it. And I prematurely ejaculated before, pretty much before she even touched me. I've never had those experiences. Never. I've always had very, very, you know, very sort of healthy, just for me, you know, just it worked. My body just worked great. So it was like, the contrast was overwhelming. And I think this is a challenge because a lot of, especially younger men, they don't have that contrast that I had because I grew up in it, again, without smartphone porn. So I had the contrast. And so I just stopped. And you know, man, it took me about a year and a half, I would say, for my body to recover. And in fact, you know, talk about like morning wood. I couldn't even well, while that was happening, I lost my morning erections, all of that. And and it was like when I started getting morning wood again, maybe about a year later, like I did it. I was like, oh man, it was like it was like
0: rescuing a, an exotic <laughs> plant from <laughs> extinction. <laughs> it was like yeah. Well, no, shows you how your body God. gets so conditioned that it's like a detox,
1: you know, you literally oh, man. detox. And I felt it, you know, even the beginning of my relationship with Sylvie, I could still feel the effects. And, and it was probably 18 months or so after, you know, I met Sylvie maybe 18 months or so after I stopped, you know, a year to 18 months after, and I could still feel the, like, it just, my body wasn't, wasn't responding in, in the way that it had. It was much better. Yeah. And, you know, And now, you know, we're three years in and man, my body's, I'm 40, I'm older than I was, you know, I'm 44 when this all was happening. I was, you know, 39, 40, I guess, 38, 39. And and my body's stronger now than when it was at that time. And it was, you know, I've, there's been moments where I've used porn kind of sporadically in the years since, but, you know, no more than once a month or, and, and even, and, and usually, you know, once a year. I mean, it's like, it, it happens. Like you said earlier, yeah. Mark, I'm not perfect. I'm not a saint. I haven't eliminated every single leaky aspect interest. of my being. <laughs> it's it's ha- <laughs> I just don't get their emails. But if I, if the app pops up, it's like, oh shit, there it is again. <laughs> you know, I'm on Instagram. I mean, all that stuff's there, but I'm definitely more, you know, when I feel that, sort of my energy kind of shifting away from what would serve my relationship, I bring it back in alignment because I know it matters. And I know, mm-hmm. and again, this is, a, you know, I want really men to hear this and women too. Women are going to be listening to this. And I, and I want you to understand, you're right. Our leaky behavior matters. It does matter. And I don't you know, put things in terms of right and wrong. There's just what serves, what doesn't you could say one way of saying what serves what what doesn't what doesn't what honors and what doesn't exactly it's not right or wrong it's not wrong to and this is where i think a lot of men and women we come off you know things come off the rails because she said you know women will commonly say and i've heard this many times you know throughout my life you know what woman would put up with that no woman would put up with that no woman (laughs) well you know what you know what i've been through there's a woman out there who would put up with that
0: yeah true there are plenty out there putting up with that Just like there's plenty of men putting up with women who have leaky energy.
1: Totally. So the conversation really is, does this serve your relationship? Yeah. Or does it not?
0: And what are you avoiding? You know, like, I think for me, that was the big part is like, what is it distracting you from that you're afraid will happen with your partner? Because I think there are all these ways of sabotaging where we upper limit ourselves. So we upper limit ourselves right before we've been extremely devastated and For me, what I actually started to see was that my uh, desire for intimacy and with anyone I cared about, I would get performance anxiety. And I actually started to use that as I know that I'll be ready to have sex when it's time yeah. as opposed to using this specific, you know, I would use sex as a way of figuring out if I had a connection rather than establishing that we have a connection and then having sex. Right. So it was about going back to what I always knew to be true when I was young, which was respecting myself, respecting my body, respecting my partner, but really holding intimacy as such a sacred thing. Yeah. Which, again, for people wanting to have it outside of monogamous long-term relationship, that's fine. It just hold it in its sacred container. That's right. Let
1: it be what it is, which is... And that's going a question of integrity. Just owning. It's like, I'm not in a relationship. and, And that's a whole... That's a whole other rabbit hole because I personally, in my general experience, in my experience, I generally have found that women, unless they're really, you know, coming out of a breakup, coming out of a a painful experience, and they're really not wanting a lasting connection in general, women really aren't casual sex, aren't non committed. They'll pretend they are, they'll pretend they are, but it doesn't really work. Well, it it doesn't.
0: I totally agree. Because it's, yeah. I think, two things at hand there. One is evolutionarily, they need a partner in order. The consequences of, of sex mm. are, are much higher for women mm-hmm. Yeah. in terms yeah. of child. The second part there is that men and women process oxytocin differently. So for a man, yeah. oxytocin, because of its interaction, this is what is thought. Its interaction with testosterone, it shortens its half-life. Yeah oxytocin in women lasts about two to three weeks. So mm-hmm. if they're going to catch some feelings both sides, right. but it just won't last as long. And I think that's a, it's just an important thing to, you know, mind your oxytocin mind, but also don't misrepresent what you want. You know, like that happens all the time for men and women, men saying they want a relationship or don't, but they really do want the other thing. And it happens in both yeah, directions. Totally. Yeah. Let's circle back to
1: performance because there's a really important thing here. You know, This is one of the the stories again, it's validation, you know, pleasing a woman, making her come, making her have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. It's so outcome oriented. And
0: what I so performance based, yeah. It's
1: so performance based. And what I I don't know, years ago it kind of got clear about this and how actually, you know, a lot of men, and I've done this too, but we will will do all these things to try to make her have an experience because it makes us look good. It's really not about her at all. Totally. About making ourselves look good. <laughs> <laughs> like running a DJ turntable. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, I just wanted to to bring that up because we talked about this word performance. And again, there's so much of the sort of old masculine programming. We have to look good. We have to perform well, you know, get the job done, conquer notches in the bedpost kind of stuff.
0: Notches in the bedpost. That's funny. I I do totally remember that socialization. Uh-huh. The belts, the, uh, yeah. That's right. That's right.
1: And none of that has to do with her. She's just a, an instrument for our own status building. Our so own... status
0: based. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. 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 And,
1: yes, yeah. Sir, Well, I wanted to point that out because, look, of course we want to satisfy our partner. It's healthy, but it's different to please your partner so that you look good or at least don't look bad versus pleasing her because it's pleasing to you to see her pleased.
0: Yeah, I totally you agree. Care. You know, that it comes from a sincere, authentic place rather than it being performance-based. I mean, there are so many conflicting pieces of socialization in this. I mean, there's a book written for men called She Comes First, which mm-hmm. is really I think ironic that it's like we want it to be about both experiences. Men tend to be very outcome-based, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. I'm like, did you come? Did you come? I mean, I used to ask that question all the time. Still due to check in, you know? like, did you (laughs) Uh (laughs) Like, I'm great. What's happening? What's happened over here? But I think what's also, like Emily Nagoski, her book, Come As You Are, is a really great book. It's written for women, but I think it's great for men and women. And in it, she talks about how we both have Spontaneous desire, like I saw a breast, I want to have sex, or I have an erection, I want to have sex. Men's desire is often connected to whether they have an erection or not, mm-hmm. and women's is, tends to be responsive desire. So, you took the mm-hmm. garbage out, I wouldn't mind humping you. We started mm-hmm. kissing, you mm-hmm. know, so there's spontaneous and responsive yeah. desire. And men tend to be more spontaneous and women tend to be more responsive. But because we've created these gender spaces where we're like women who desire sex are slutty or overtly sexual and men who don't desire sex are broken. But some men have responsive desire, like you cared for me, you took care of me, you started massaging my back. Now I'm open to it. And I think it's so important, like what you were saying about the performance base is actually just educating ourselves on how the body works, what is sexual? Asking lots of questions of your partner. Like I think how we perform in the bedroom is very similar to our willingness to go deep. God, there's so many puns. Our willingness to go deep emotionally too. Yeah. So I think we can either find mastery in sex and that's an escape from mastery of like vulnerability. Yeah. But the other side of it is like asking our partner, does that feel good? What feels right? How fast should I go? It's like those questions require the possible chance that we don't know what we we're fucking doing. That's right. Yeah. But I think it was crazy. It's like the first time I had sex, I was supposed to know what I was doing. i would yeah. never had so many things happen at the exact same time, like two breaths, yeah. a face, lips kissing in and out. Yeah. There's a condom working, is there's a butt yeah. here. I can hold the butt. Like this is yeah. there's so many <laughs> things happening at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah that you, we're not even good at multitasking outside of a bedroom. Like, how are you going to do that with all, right. yeah. you know? Fuck, man. Yeah. And uh, look, on, on top of that, again, so to speak,
1: God, they're everywhere. <laughs> on top of everything. <laughs> on top of that, you know, <laughs> many women's bodies, they're changing constantly. You know, <laughs> what worked today won't work tomorrow.
0: Do That's part of, mystery,
1: right? as part of the mastery, right? You know, so if, if we think we know what's going to work and we do that and we, you know, it's like, it's just a recipe for frustration for everybody.
0: So you said that, like the willingness to not know. Uh, like if we put our male ego aside or ego I'm female too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just,
1: you know, one of the things that, again, I made this sort of switch in my mind years ago when I kind of realized that just getting to orgasm is not really A good reason to do sex. I mean, unless you just want to have a baby or just, again, you need soothing, sure. But lovemaking is orgasm independent. Good lovemaking is not about getting to orgasm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is all. And, And so I want to just introduce that to, again, men and women that are listening that making orgasm the point of sex is almost certainly a recipe for dissatisfaction, at least over the long term.
0: Yeah. Like it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about the road trip. It's not about getting to the place. Although getting to the place is great. It's great. And don't let that be an excuse for, Hey, you know,
1: I came, you don't need to come. Cause that's not the point. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is that when we de-emphasize the outcome, you know, and again, not that that's not enjoyable, but de-emphasizing you know, even as a man, like I don't have to come every time we have sex or every time. And sometimes I won't. And that's fine. It's just fine. It's totally perfectly fine. In fact, I often practice intentionally not having an orgasm. Um, <laughs> I got to do that. I'm like, no, I'm coming. I'm gonna it's, every- it's really, <laughs> it can be really amazing because what I notice, and again, I'm, I'm 44. So my body's a little, you know, I'm, I'm in a particular age, but it actually, it can maintain attraction. That force, again, this is, a whole, this is probably a whole other podcast conversation, yeah. but but there's so much energy, there's so much resource, what arises in the body, so to speak, in, in, in terms of in the sexual experience, that, whoa, man, that can be fuel for my day if I don't uh, orgasm in the morning, for The example. transmutation like, if, that continues. Oh my God. Absolutely. What can, and also then it can enhance the juiciness in our relationship because that desire wasn't so-called satisfied in, in the moment of orgasm. And so we're kind of left with this sizzling, sparking arc of polarity between us through the day
0: that man it can be so enlivening. And, and so, trying to give, you know, without wanting something in return, mm-hmm. you know, like just, you know, pleasing your partner and then like dropping the mic. Oh, you're good. Cool. And like that, I think is such a, it creates more Mm -hmm. desire, more tension, because Mm -hmm. it also totally disrupts the wiring of a female's experience or a male's experience of their life, because the whole time it's always been about like, well, I just finished now I've got to do this. And it starts to give from this unconditional space. And as I was saying before, it's kind of like what happens in the bedroom is so indicative of what happens in so many other places in like, are you good at expressing what you need? Are you good at being curious about your partner? Are you good at giving without needing something in return? All of it is such a a metaphor because how you do that is how you're going to do everything. And I, I think when you take that time to be patient and to ask lots of questions, it's the same as like sitting across from your partner and they tell you that you didn't do that thing well or you were reactive or defensive. And instead of getting more defensive or shutting down, which is so typical of us, or leaving or doing, you know, liking a picture on Instagram, using a fucking distraction. Mm-hmm. We just say, tell me more about what that's like. Like, it yeah. must be hard. How could I be better? I mean, it's the exact same thing as being down there with their hands on your ears, using you like a joystick, you know? <laughs> it's the exact same thing. It's just that your sex will be far more connective when your partner, male or female, yeah. feels safe in your emotional experiences. Yeah. You know, like set the stage to Light a candle, you know, if you gotta, you put on some Cardi B depending how you wanna get down. I mean I have the playlist called Love Potion number nine. So Love Potion number nine. Oh come on, share the playlist, man. And I got a rock version and a and an R and B version. You know that R and B version's gotta have like old <laughs> school jam, right? old, old school. Usher, Mm. Okay, I'm, I'm even going farther back, old school. Well, you're going like to, uh, Andros or like, something, like
1: Luther. Exactly, man. Well, all right, let's bring this home. Bring so, home. and you know, one thing I'm aware we haven't talked about is shame. Well, one thing that I'm I just want to say about that is when I was a kid, I remember I had a choice to make—to be either a good boy or a bad boy. And bad boys were the ones that just wanted to get in a girl's pants. Good boys clearly didn't want to do that. And I chose to be a good boy for whatever reason. I don't know. Same with me. Parents divorced. Nobody comforting me. So I
0: need, you know, gosh, man, to survive. I need to be liked. I thought I'd prove that I was different than other men. Is that what it was? Yeah. Good boy. Nice guy. Yeah. Good boy. Nice guy. I'm a nice
1: guy. And so I totally disconnected from my sexual drive in many ways. I mean, it was still so alive in me. And I just just masturbate it out constantly. Mm. But I was so ashamed of just and I see this come up in relationships a lot where, you know, we men still live, and women too, for sure. But, you know, this is really, you know, conversation more for men we're talking about, and we're men. So, but men, we're still so shamed by having a sex drive, by wanting to have sex and man, the damage and the, again, it finds its way. And usually it finds its way into porn, yeah. you know, the expression of it.
0: I think we have so many cross-cultural religious things that sort of mishmash or have sex, you know, sort of like idea, cultural belief sex that creates and manifests as shame. You know, mm-hmm. you grew up in a family and or uh, practiced a religion that in any way shames sex, in any way shames yeah. desire. Which most religions do. <laughs> All in their in their main iterations, but they're obviously beautiful Wonderful, amazing sex of different God, the I, different sects of religions, sects with a yeah. CTS. <laughs> yeah, oh. a religion that are beautiful and communicate nice messaging. Yeah. But the majority of them, I grew up Catholic. So that's a, as yeah. a giant, there's a lot of shame in that church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other podcast. But what's fascinating is if your religion or your family or your culture or your society in any way shame sex and sexuality, and you're a human being and you have desire, which you do, a part of you will feel bad, a part of you will feel shame for just existing. And so you have to start to pick apart those parts, those, like, turn towards them, you know, especially if our religions taught us that being gay is bad, or being, you know, like any of those things, and we are. Then we're going to hold shame wherever we hold our actual, true, authentic identity, and then we start to express our sexuality in secrecy, yeah. which comes out in pornography, in different weird fetishes. Not to say that there's not great fetishes. Don't get me wrong. Or so social media stalking,
1: inappropriate social media stalking. I'm not sure there's appropriate social media stalking. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 if you don't get caught, then it's good stalking. Yeah. But the, uh, just kidding. That's, that was a bad. Joke. <laughs> but the. Uh, yeah. And so being able to recognize that they manifest and express in unhealthy ways when we have shame connected to them, which I think most of us at least have some form of shame connected to sex and sexuality that we have to navigate and bring out into the open. Because if you want to heal shame, you have to you have to bring it out. You got to mm-hmm. bring it out of secrecy, out of the tidy little box yeah. that is hiding yeah. in the corner that smells like poop.
1: So good. There's a good segue to um, talk about I don't know if solutions is the right word, but, but okay. So we, we started off this conversation about men and using sex to avoid pain and how it really, I mean, what we're selling, how ironically it creates so much pain actually, in both ourselves and pleasure. It's like, you know, well, that's why it's confusing because it's pleasurable. Yeah. You like come as you're hurting. Yeah. And as you're often hurting your partner too, maybe not physically, but emotionally in many cases. So so let's just talk about in your experience, and I'll share mine as well, but like, where do we go from here? How do we do this? How do we, what do we encourage men? What have been our experiences in, in waking up from this and not doing that anymore?
0: Well, I'm interested to hear yours. Um, for me, I know what worked for me. Mm-hmm. And the first part was actually completely going on what I call a Vaj vacation, um, mm-hmm. but it was actually disconnecting from intimacy So I could recreate my relationship to intimacy in a healthy way. I could design it. So that was the first part is I, I went and I made the commitment that I would not be intimate with anyone till I felt emotionally connected to them. And it was the next logical step. Mm -hmm. The first time I went nine months and the next time I went a year. And this was when I was, 35 and 36, Mm. something like that, somewhere around there in those mid-30 range. Mm -hmm. So that was the first part. The other part was starting to look at how I used intimacy as a ways of escape. I started to look at how I was actually afraid to let someone love me, so I used these micro moments of intimacy. I mean, I was in a five-year relationship in the interim and another year relationship from my experience at 19 to the time I was doing this detox was in a five-year relationship, one in a couple, one-year relationships. And I would say I never really let, I mean, we had great intimacy, but I never let myself go deeper. There was always limits built to what I would allow. And that was in actually letting someone love me, actually letting myself let go. Again. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this was in the way. So I think it's really about just starting to explore your matrix, your experience of, for any man listening to this, none of this is Bible. None of this is gospel. It's just to say like, I'm a guy who had an unhealthy relationship to intimacy and sex. I wanted to be programmed like what I thought other men were programmed like. I wanted to be able to just have casual sex and just not care. But I cared deeply. And I had to use alcohol to numb that depth of feeling. So I think it's that's part of it. I think that it's just like, get curious and start to move towards teachers that resonate with you. Listen, I've listened to so many of the episodes of Brian's podcast, and each one of the teachers has given me so many nuggets Mm. about connection and intimacy and relationship and sex. So what a great place to begin, join men's groups, all those things. Yeah, Because men will call your ass out. A good woman will call your ass out. But men who are in integrity will be much more assertive about it. General. Yeah,
1: Not just your drinking buddies or your football watching buddies, which we love those guys. But those aren't the guys. But those aren't, aren't the guys that are going to hold you accountable, that are going to just call you out in, in ways that serve you. Exactly. Go to a guy you respect. Yeah. What about you? You know, very similar. I, you know, I did that dating sex diet. I called it the sex diet, but it wasn't about sex. It was about using feminine energy to feel better about myself. And I stopped. I just, I, I went on a 30 day complete fast. You know, I wasn't going to what that meant was I wasn't going to, um, you know, linger in the produce department, at the <laughs> right. grocery store when, you know, some cute Great girl, department, you yeah. know, holding bananas or funneling some vegetable that I wouldn't have any idea what to do with in the kitchen, but just in the hopes that this, you know, woman would notice me, <laughs> I was just going to cut all that out, you know, after yoga class, oh, I wasn't going to linger in the back of the room, you know, again, hoping to talk to somebody. Now,
0: if you are single and in integrity, both great places.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, but it was so leaky for me. It was so, it was coming from such a desperate kind of hungry. And I'll say empty. I was trying to fill my emptiness is really what it was about. And in that 30 day, man, and I'll tell you like 24 hours in, I was terrified. I was scared. You know, people would write to me and say, when I was doing this, and especially women, they'd say, oh, 30 days with no sex. Geez, what's wrong with you guys? Try a year. Try two years. Like, this was not a, just about sex. It was about using feminine energy in all the forms that I was. Mm-hmm. Just in the moment, oh, soothe. Oh, feel better about myself. Or It was so leaky. It was so, uh oh. And so- I,
0: I, I love that you did that, by the way, that you didn't mm-hmm. do it just in the context of relationship and sex, that it was about- because I I never thought of it that way until I read when you were doing it. Yeah, and I was like, what a cool distinction.
1: Yeah, because it was it was also about like not calling even just female friends, you know, to hang out to spend time with female friends. Because oh, at least I'm around a woman. Yeah. Even that, you know, cutting all of that out. Uh, that's why I called it the hunting and hoping diet as well. Hoping I don't know. There was a diet on hoping. There's no. I'm cutting out all hope that some woman will complete me. <laughs> and and right. in that experience, and by the way. If you're listening, if you want to do that, I actually have a 30-day free e- kind of email sequence diet that'll that'll take you on that diet. I'll put it in the show notes. The link is com slash dating diet.
0: Well, there's the way to try it to start it, boys. Yeah. Men. and
1: men. men. Thank you. What was so powerful about that is I had to just be with my experience. Like what you said, I had to get curious and just be with what was coming
0: up for me, so to speak. Sorry, man. It's all over. So this place. good, though. I can't help myself. We become twelve when we do. Yeah. <laughs> and, <I know. laughs> and I'll tell you, man. It
1: was one of the most transformative months of my life because, and again, I was being with my loneliness. Finally, I remember. I remember maybe it's about a weekend or so, and I'm living in California. You know, I grew up on the East Coast. My family scattered around the country. And about a weekend, again, I'm riding my bicycle alone on Venice Boardwalk, and here's the rules. I can't just call and I have a lot of female friends. I can't just call a female friend to make me feel better about myself. I can't flirt with some girl or talk like that. Nope. Cutting that all out. And so here I am just riding my bicycle on a beautiful sunny. It was in August that I did this. It was a gorgeous day. You Know fam- families are out, lovers Talk are about out. The
0: hardest time of year to do this. To do I love that like you did this. If you did it in like December in Canada, you'd be fine. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like no challenge any month. <laughs> yeah, anyone, anyway, everyone's covered. In- and <laughs> yeah, no, it was everywhere. Yeah, you're yeah. in the epicenter of sexuality. Yeah,
1: and I remember feeling so lonely. But I felt my loneliness in a way that I hadn't felt it before because, well, I was distracting myself with all the leaky energy. And I remember in that moment, I remember turning my bicycle around as I was and just realizing, God, I miss my family. I miss my friends. I miss people. And I started to, in that moment, I started to actually reach out and create connections with friends and my family in a way that I hadn't in years Mm, because I- I let myself just be lonely instead of, you know, pouring it away or date it away or, you know, tinder it away, whatever. And here's another interesting thing that happened about two weeks into that experiment. And again, you can read all about this on my website. There's other stories and funny things that happened and insights, but about two weeks into it again, because I was just being with what was happening for me. Like you said, being curious and just open and feeling everything that was there which was really uncomfortable and frightening at first. But as I felt it, and I started to allow, even allow my sexuality to just be there. I remember going into the Whole Foods in Venice Beach. If you've never been to the Whole Foods in Venice Beach, it is like, it's like a casting call for all the most beautiful people on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Erwan. I feel the same way. Same way, man. Yeah. I mean, it is just stock like full super of Gorgeous people, men, women, children, dogs, everyone there is a model. Every dog has their own Instagram account. They're so beautiful. (laughs) That whole food's like every so I'm two weeks into this and just feeling everything and not putting it on someone else to do something about it, you know, not making someone else responsible, a woman responsible for uh, or porn, you know, something to get it out of me. Just get it out of me. And I remember walking through that Whole Foods and I was like, I'm on a mission. I'm here in the Whole Foods. I'm not lingering or loitering or flirting or, or checking out. I'm just going to get my vegetables and my, you know, my pot roast and I'm fucking out of here. And Mark, I was so alive. My body, I remember I felt like I was walking through that Whole Foods like I was a giant cock.
0: <laughs> I actually remember through.
1: reading this. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to just fuck the world. I wanted every man, woman, and child. Metaphorically, don't take that literally, but I just was like, my energy felt so deliciously alive and penetrating that just, oh my God, it was so invigorating.
0: I bet like pl- staying alive was playing on <laughs> you know, the whole food's audio. <laughs> like walking through. Like, oh, dude, I had, totally had the strut going on.
1: <laughs> like John Travolta <laughs> in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and man, I'll never forget that as long as I live because it was, again, I'd spent a few weeks just being with my experience, feeling everything that I was feeling, not hiding anymore, not leaking it out, not just, you know, get it out of me. And it was incredibly invigorating. And that was sort of what's on the other side in my experience of what I felt. One of the things that was on the other side of not using sex to avoid pain yeah, or using feminine energy in any way to avoid pain. What was on the other side of that is I had to go through some pretty terrifying moments of oh, like, holy yeah. shit, what am I going to do? Who's going to, I'm all alone here. Holy fuck. Oh my God, I'm going to die. As I got through that. Oh wow. The awakening in my body and my mind and my spirit and my sexuality it was just, it was invigorating.
0: Yeah. I definitely started to, I went through a very hard time where it was like a drug. I wanted to text like a girl I had a connection with or like a, something that I knew wasn't it. And so I remember being like, you can't, you can't. Like this isn't serving your greater intention. Are you what you choose? And I would constantly ask myself that. Are you what you choose? Are you what you choose? Is this who you want to be? And that would be the guiding thing is like I made my integrity more important than my biology is the way that mm-hmm. I frame it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as you said, I sat through, I was like a fiending. And I finally rejoined The nineteen-year-old version of me that I left at the house when I got heartbroken. Mm -hmm. I finally sat through that heartbreak. Finally felt it. I cried for random reasons. How many years later was that? Fuck, man, sixteen. Wow. You know, and and then even more grief I accessed probably two years ago. But yeah, I I'd never given nineteen-year-old me permission to be so sad, Mm. heartbreak because I had somehow constructed this idea that. That's not normal for a man, you know, but even secretly, I was obviously listening to like boys to men, end of the road, fucking <laughs> <laughs> I would I'd go to the club yeah. and dance on a speaker and that would make everything seemingly better, but it wasn't. Better. God, you know, ignorance is bliss. That's true. I get that statement, but I also yeah. love the birth of responsibility that awareness brings.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, because nothing can ever happen in my life that isn't out of my choosing now. And that's such Mm -hmm. a powerful way to feel. Even like if a woman walks out of my life, if my partner left me tomorrow, she doesn't take me with her, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was codependent then. I didn't know, like my relationship was clearly my life because when I lost her, I felt like I lost everything. Yeah, And what a beautiful journey of experience to know that everything for all of us has happened up until this moment to teach us yeah wisdom and pain and shame you know Mm -hmm. that's why it's like turn towards it you're like yoda waiting to happen
1: yeah
0: you know you don't need some other yoda you just need to listen to yourself like fuck yeah you know there's so many brilliant wise emotionally deep men that are not allowing themselves access to that yeah and you said it turn towards it face it feel it so delicious feel it and if you can't hold it yet get a group of men to hold it with you A woman will be able to hold it because that's what women do. Get a group of men to hold it to change your story about men to see what's possible. Uh, Lacey Phillips has this idea of like be around people who are the way you want to be. She calls them expanders, which Mm -hmm. I think we all think like Mm -hmm. you know the Mm -hmm. five closest people in your life are. But what they do is they neurologically give you an idea of hope, which I think is a really cool. Like you see the model of what you want to be and it's already there, so you will naturally adapt to become. Yeah. Well, beautiful, man. Well, I think we've said... Dude, this... Yeah. I feel like I just sat through my therapy of myself. That was great. (laughs) And you, I got to know a lot more about you. Yeah. I've really enjoyed your story. And I mean, we've known each other, I think, what, seven years now? Yeah. And man, I love having now listened to the verbal expressions of what I was reading when you were going. Uh Uh-huh. Cool. So thanks for Yeah, man. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you so
1: much for suggesting this and for coming back on. And we'll do this again, man. We're going to come up with some more topics. This is really a fun evolution of this podcast. So,
0: yeah, yeah I really I appreciate can't it. can't wait to hear what people think about this because I, I think there's other subjects obviously we'd love to talk about, but if people don't want us to talk about it, they just want you. <laughs> That's great. But I'm super excited to hear what people think. Yeah. All right, brother. So good to have you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Mark Groves. Find Mark, at markgroves.tv and at create the love on Instagram. He's putting out some really great content. So definitely follow him on Instagram. All links, books, resources, anything you heard mentioned here will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. And if you're interested in doing the 30 day challenge or just do it for a couple days or a couple hours. The Sex, Dating, Flirting, Hunting, and Hoping Diet. You can find that at brianreeves.com slash dating diet. Or again, it'll all be there in the show notes. If you know someone who needs to hear this, please share this episode with them now. And finally, please take a moment to leave a review of Men This Way on your podcast app. Your words really do make a difference. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.